Well, welcome. My name's Alistair. I'm the lead pastor here at St. Pete's. I hope uh, you've been enjoying our nine lessons and carol service, and it's my joy uh, to dig into the last reading from John's gospel. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we ask as we open your word that you would apply it to our minds, that we not grow shallow, that you would apply it to our hearts, that we not grow cold, and that you would apply it to our feet, that we'd not just be hearers of your word, but doers also. We pray all of these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Advent is not meant to be a comfortable season. The problem is, is that our culture has collapsed Christmas into Advent. So all around us, we're seeing lights and carols and joy and presents and love. But Advent, as we've been saying through this series, is, is about tension. Uh, the other day, Maggie said to me, uh, it's dark outside. Where did the sun go? And it's like her little five-year-old brain picked up that the sun should not set at 4 p.m. The season of Advent is similar. It's an invitation. It's a time to ask, why is it so dark outside? But we're not talking about the absence of the sun. We're, we're talking about the darkness ethically, socially, spiritually. And when we see the darkness outside, like Maggie, we sense, and even more than sense, we know things are not as they ought to be. Advent is a season of connecting with our ache and our longing for the world to be made whole. It is a, a season of tension and expectation. And darkness is a part of that season. And darkness, it might be all we can see at times, but the curtains will close on darkness. This is our hope in Advent. And so Advent is a reminder and an invitation to live in light of the everlasting light. And so today I want to just reflect on these two themes of Advent, light and darkness. So I'm going to read our passage from John once again, John chapter 1. Everything will be on the screen, but if you have a Bible, open it up to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So John stretches all the way back to the beginning to introduce his readers to Jesus. Uh, but John isn't just talking about the beginning of time and space. As St. Augustine put it, this is the beginning which is no beginning. Uh, Jesus existed in the beginning in which there is no beginning. Before the beginning of time and space, there was the word. And the word was with God. The word was God. And John makes it very clear to us, Jesus is this word. It's passages like these that lead us to confess that God is triune, the Trinity, three persons in one God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, existing in perfect unity and in a current of eternal love. John takes a view of eternity so that we can see rightly who Jesus is, that Jesus 
is God, but then John immediately moves into the creation of time and space. John claims, along with the rest of the New Testament authors, that God created through Christ, that all things were made through Jesus, and in him all things are being sustained. And John goes on to say, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. Light is almost always a metaphor in John's gospel. And here is his first use of it. And he connects light with life. Connects light with life. And John does this because if we want to make sense of what it means to be human, we must first recognize that our life comes from a source. We don't have life in and of ourselves. Life comes from outside of us. And the fact that our particle, uh, particles are animated, that we're conscious at all, is because of the intimate gift of life from God. You know, Genesis tells this story of how God formed us out of the dust and breathed life into our nostrils. The source of life comes from God's own lungs, so to speak. It's this intimate picture of God sharing his own life with us. John puts it this way, in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And John's phrase, the light of all mankind, it's similar to how Genesis says that humanity was created in the image of God. So if we want to know what it means to be human, if we want to know how to live, and more importantly, why we're living, we need to look at the light. We need to look at whose image we're made in. We need him to illuminate all things for us. And so John's clear in the prologue of his gospel, our life and our light comes from Jesus, the word, the eternal son of God. And so John, he starts big. He starts with eternity and he starts with creation. He wants us to get a sense of the magnitude of who Jesus is. But then in verse five, he shifts into the present tense. He's talked about things in the past. He's talked about things beyond time. But then he speaks about the present in verse five. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So John shifts to darkness. And this is not just a passive darkness either. It's not merely the absence of light. This is an aggressive darkness that wants to overcome the light. The appearance of darkness in the world, it doesn't mean that the light gave up on the world. Rather, it means that the light was rejected by the world. But how did we get here? How does John go from eternity and creation so quickly to darkness? Well, it's because John lives in the story of scripture. God created a good and beautiful world. And in love, God endowed humanity with life and light. And this includes our ability to reason and our creativity and our passion and our love. And yet humanity turned in on itself. Humanity chose life apart from God, if that was even possible. But they rejected the source of life, wanting life on its own terms. And darkness came into the world. 
So way back in the beginning, once the world had been created, once life had been given as a generous and beautiful gift, Adam and Eve rejected God. They chose not to trust him and sin entered the world, fragmenting everything. This is what's on John's mind. When we look at the story of Adam and Eve, we see sin distorted their sense of self-identity. They felt shame. It fractured how they relate to one another. They started blaming each other. It impeded how they related to God. They hid in the bushes. It changed their experience of the world. It changed from peace to thorns. You see, sin doesn't just affect us. It affects our relationships. It affects creation. It affects how we relate to God. It has cosmic implications. Theologians call this the fall. John calls it darkness. And you might struggle with what John has said about eternity, about creation, but it's likely you can agree with him about darkness because we can see it. We can see it every day. We don't even have to try. The world can be incredibly dark. Repulsive evil is out there and it's not far down the street. The Vancouver Sun recently wrote an article and the title was Chaos and Depravity So Normalized in the Downtown East Side That There Is No Humanity Left. And one recent event was recounted in that article that is horrific. And it's so terrible that I want to warn you in advance that what I'm about to share is graphic. And so you might want to skip ahead uh, when you see the quote, leave the screen, because I don't want to trigger you by accident. But here's what Daphne Bramham wrote for The Sun. She's referencing a video that became public. The graphic video was shot in the full light of day. The full light of day on a sidewalk in the so-called heart of Vancouver's notorious downtown east side. A bare-chested man appears to be raping an unresponsive woman at the busy corner of Maine and Hastings. From the waist down, he's covered by a blanket or perhaps a sleeping bag. At one point, she stirs and brings her hand to her forehead. With her face mostly obscured, it's not clear whether she's stoned, drunk, or has simply given up. Her legs dangle awkwardly by his shoulders before he loops an arm under it, pulling skyward so that the high heel of the tall black boot points straight up. It's horrific, distressing in so many ways. And three guys in the video's foreground made some rude observations. Mostly they just stood there, not really watching, but also not completely ignoring what was happening. Another cluster of men stood on the other side. A bus rumbled by. People walked past. Faces turned away. Nobody stopped. But somebody recorded it and posted it to Facebook, where the comments were more crude than outraged. That happened in our city during the light of day in a busy, populated cross-section of town where nobody stopped or took the risk to make it stop. What do you call that? Other than darkness horrendous darkness in our own city, unfathomable darkness. What about the recent investigation that found 
widespread racism and discrimination against indigenous peoples in British Columbia's healthcare system. One interviewee saying, because of her ethnicity, she makes sure to dress up differently than how she normally dresses up to make sure she receives adequate care. It's good that this is being brought to the light. It's good that our health officials are acknowledging this, but it needs to be recognized for what it is. It's darkness. We don't have to look beyond our streets or our province. There's darkness. And I could list more and more examples from all around the world, but I don't need to. We can see darkness spreading like a cloak all over the world. Darkness can be felt and it it lingers and it seeps into us. And you might look at all of this and you might just say, this is how it is. This is how the world is. Theologians call it the fall. John calls it darkness. But when John talks about darkness, he's not just talking about a darkness out there. We must be very cautious not to distance ourselves from the darkness. Because when John speaks about the darkness, he's also speaking about the darkness in here, in our own hearts, in our own lives. Whether it's resenting the people we love over the most trivial thing, or how we're prone to excluding someone simply because we don't really like them. Whether it's the pleasure we get in gossiping or our self-absorption, whether it's our cynicism which causes us to be callous towards those suffering from addiction or living on the streets and how we look down on them or how we judge people because we assume we know their story and we know better, whether it's your indulgence in pornography or your own contribution to an unhealthy relationship. We know these parts of ourselves too well. We know them intimately, and we know that they don't just affect us, but those around us. And you might look at it and say, that's just how humanity is. Theologians call this sin. John calls it darkness. But then there's the darkness of the human heart that wants life apart from God. That part of us, every single one of us, that tries to deny the existence of God, the part of us that wants to live solely for ourselves, the part of us that can go for hours and days and months and even years without so much of a, as a thought of God, the part of us that doesn't care enough to pursue God because there's more immediately gratifying things out there. When John says darkness, he means, yes, a darkness in the world, but a darkness that comes from the human spirit bent toward sin. And all this darkness seeks to quench the light, seeks to overcome the light. We know this and we feel this and anyone who's looked honestly at the world will despair over this. And if you have not, I would have to say you have not yet looked honestly at the world. And yet, and yet, John says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We can turn off the lights. And in fact, we'll do just that. And it's dark in here. But I have a small flashlight in my hands and 
You can see it gives off some light and, and I'm wrapping my hands around it and light still seeping out. And so I'm, I'm holding it tighter and, and now the, it's even harder to see the light. But just because we can't see the light, it doesn't mean it's not there. It's still there. The darkness cannot overcome the light. Try as we may, we will never eradicate the light because God is the light and God is at work in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So no matter how dark it gets, God hasn't given up on us. No matter how much the darkness may try to quench the light and no matter how much it may kick against the light, God hasn't given up on us. God is at work in the dark. Light can still be seen or at least sensed. You see, we can look out at the world and, and see light amidst the dark, can't we? Whether it's humanitarian efforts like building schools and war zones or engineers volunteering to create sustainable forms of agriculture in impoverished areas whether it's refugees being welcomed into new cities and communities and families or shelters and meals being provided to those who need it most, or simply the communal and collective cost of sacrificing our social relationships during a pandemic for the most vulnerable in our population and their protection. Whether it's as simple as good music or, or beautiful art or a breathtaking sunrise or simply being covered in a pile of puppies, we can still be overwhelmed by the light, the good, the love we see in the world. There is light in this world. And we celebrate these glimmers of light. And we can even look within ourselves and see light in our own darkness. Whether it's the empathy and compassion that wells up in us over the, the pain and grief of others or the tears we share, whether it's laughing till our sides hurt or sitting in the perfectly comfortable silence with a loved one, whether it's joy or love or kindness, we can still be overwhelmed by the goodness of it all. We celebrate glimmers of light. There is light in this darkness. But in the dark, we don't see all that well. And sometimes the glimmers of light we do see, we end up attributing to the wrong source. We say the light's shining from within me, it's my light, it's my flashlight, but your battery will die. It will run dry because it's a derivative light, it's not the source. We see glimmers of light in the world and we say, look, humanity has hope, we're not so bad, look at all this good. But this treats the light or our goodness or love as if that source is within ourselves when it's not. John writes, the light shines in the world and the darkness hasn't overcome it. The light, not our light, not the world's light, the light, God's light, the light of the life of Jesus. See, God in his grace and his mercy, he has restrained our darkness. God in his grace does not leave us in utter darkness and evil. The light that we do see in the world and even in ourselves, it's not our own. It's a glimmer of the life and the light that God first gave us in creating us. 
And so instead of wrongly attributing the light we see to ourselves, we need to recognize the source. We need God to illuminate us in the darkness so that we can see what John calls the true light. John writes in verses 9 through 10, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The gospel of John calls Jesus the true light. The true light. Jesus shines from within himself, through himself, and brightly into the world. Jesus is the true light who gives light to everyone. Did you notice that? Everyone, not just some, but all people. He is the origin of life and light. The true light. Which means no person can take credit for any goodness or light within themselves. It is a common gift from God extended to all of humanity. But it's not saving grace. God gives light to everyone, and we all choose darkness in some way, shape, and form. So the source of our light came into the world for us, the world he made. And yet, in doing so, John says, and the world did not know him. We couldn't even recognize the source of life and light in our own midst even if it was standing in front of us, that's how accustomed we are to the dark. Because of this darkness, though, the light came for us. The light pursued us. The true light was born and lived in the world. As Eugene Peterson puts it in the message, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God is at work in the darkness And this is what we remember during Advent. This is our hope that the light has come and the darkness could not overcome it. And the light still shines and the darkness will not overcome it. And the light will shine brighter still. Brighter still. During Advent, we reflect upon the light that came into the world and we cry out more. More light. Come, Lord Jesus, shine brighter still. Science has shown that there's light that our eyes can perceive and there is light our eyes can't perceive. And I think this truth is actually really helpful for spiritual sight too. There is light we can perceive. God came into the world. Jesus Christ is the true light. The darkness sought to overcome and quench that light. It crucified him. And yet even that darkness could not quench the light. Through his resurrection, he shone brightly for all to see. We can perceive that light by reading the Gospels. We can perceive that light because the Holy Spirit is still at work in the world, illuminating the truth for us. But there is still light that we can't perceive and this should be comforting for us for two reasons first in the darkest of situations perhaps we can't yet see how the light is already shining to restore and heal what has been broken just because we can't see the light it doesn't mean the light isn't there 
It just means we can't perceive it. But our hope, because of Christ, is that God is at work even in the darkest hour, shining his light, healing this world, and it will shine brighter soon. And second, knowing that we can't perceive all of the light gives us hope that there's more to come. When the curtains are pulled back and when Jesus takes center stage, when he returns, it's only going to be the beginning and we're going to perceive more light, a fuller light. Darkness will give way to everlasting light and we'll behold the true light of the world face to face. And on that glorious day, there will be no absence of light. You know, toward the end of his life, the Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. And at the end of that book, when all is said and done, when Jesus finally establishes a new heaven and a new earth, of this reality, John writes, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. The light will shine brighter still, and when it does, oppression will dry up, tears will cease, death will be swallowed up. And so Advent is living in the tension of waiting for the everlasting light. And here's the question for us to consider. What do we do with the darkness in the meantime? What do we do with the darkness in the meantime? It's here. We live in a world with darkness. It's part of our reality, so what do we do? The author Og Mandino wrote, I will love the light, for it shows me the way, yet I will endure the darkness, for it shows me the stars. When the world gets dark around us, we endure. But we don't endure out of a stubborn determinism, but we endure through hope. We have the hope of everlasting light guiding us now and all the way home. And when we draw our last breath, when we close our eyes, darkness is not what will welcome us. Rather, it's everlasting light, eternal life. So for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, the true light who came into the world will overcome our own darkness and welcome us home. And this is our great hope in Christ. And as we endure in the darkness with hope, as Og uh, Mandino wrote, we see the stars. We see the stars. In other words, for followers of Jesus, it means we try to see where he's already shining. And we pray for the light to shine brighter still or to be revealed where we can't see it yet. And as we endure the darkness, we ask Jesus to shine through us for the sake of the world. Because if we've seen the true light, if we've known his love, it always translates into love of neighbor. It translates into seeking to alleviate suffering and injustice. And so the question for us is always, how can I shine in the dark? This is what you need to ask Jesus while you live in the darkness. As I've said, the first step is to identify where Jesus is already shining. And that's what we've done with our outward partners. 
like Jacob's Well in the downtown east side or Kinbrace working with refugees or Creative Life working with uh, youth in the downtown east side. And so for now, Jesus might shine through you if you give to this Advent Fund and support these different initiatives that are trying to shine his light into the darkness. And we're limited in this season about what we can do because of the different measures in place. But that is one way you can be a light during this season. And you can take the initiative to learn about each of these organizations and over time offer some more of your life and your time to be a part of their light, to be a part of God's people shining in this darkness. Advent reminds us that the light has come and will shine brighter still and the darkness as horrible and horrific as it is will not have the final say. So may Jesus, the light, the true light of the whole world, may he shine brightly upon you and through you for the sake of this world. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for coming into this world as the true light to shine in the darkness. And as John declares, we have loved the darkness and we hide from the light. And yet you graciously and gently seek us out. And although your light may hurt the eyes and the heart at first, Lord, we know you're good. We know you're true. We know we have no life apart from you. Give us the courage to step into the light if we've been living in the dark. Give us the hope that we and this world are not too far gone to be restored and reconciled to you. And shine through us, Lord Jesus, so that we might be among the stars that help people see that your light is, in fact, shining in this world. It's shining through us by the power of your spirit, illuminating us for the sake of others. We pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come quickly and come soon. Amen.